Good morning, everybody. How do you like my, um, my contemporary uh, stand here? <laughs> well, good morning. Glad to ha- be with you. Um, if you're here for the first time, a very special welcome to you. Thank you for, for joining us. As Pastor Matt said, we are on a brand new series. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh, something that um, for some people you're going to really love and then some people you're going to go, oh, boy. Okay? And so, but we're going to talk about marriage for the next four weeks. Now, before you go off and start thinking, this has nothing to do with me, I'm single, I don't plan to be married anytime soon, I promise you, today's message is for you, all right? And so I'm not just talking about looking ahead and planning ahead, but I'm talking about God's design uh, for marriage. And so, um, how many of you enjoy watching HGTV? It's one of my favorite channels. There's another one called DIY Network, you guys might know. And then my friends Chip and Joanna, you guys might know who they are, right? And so Vilma is determined to get them to Vegas to decorate our house. And I told her, I don't know where you're going to get the money for that. <laughs> but, um, but we love watching those type of TV shows. And so there's one um, particular show, I don't know if it was like uh, Homes on Homes, if you guys are familiar with that show where he kind of goes into a home and sees everything that was done wrong in the building, or maybe they had some renovations done and they weren't done right, and so they have to bring him in, and he tells them all the truthful things about their house, what was right, what was wrong, how much it's going to cost to fix it. And so it was one of these shows. There was a family, and they started noticing cracks on their wall. And so... You know, they do what you normally do, and you kind of, you know, do what you can to patch it up and then paint over it. Well, a couple of weeks later, the cracks appear again, and they go even further. Uh, and so they call in uh, the help, and so they come in, and they start to look. And upon further inspection, they find out that it's a lot worse than what they even thought. So they go under the crawl space under the house, and they're looking, and there's joists that are not, no longer, um, you know, touching the bottom. Um, they're finding that the floor was sinking, and what they thought was just a few cracks in the wall that they can fix easily turned out to be a whole house disaster. And so a lot of times we look at our relationships, and we can see cracks, And we all have them, okay? You might have discovered cracks in the car on the way to church this morning. And, you know, when you look even further and deeper, you might realize these cracks go a little bit deeper. With this particular house, it was a faulty foundation. And so I want to talk about marriage in such a way that we see God's design in it. When we talk about marriage, God has a way that he has set it up, and it's, it's the foundation for the way that we are supposed to live with our spouses and live with our families, but you're going to find that these principles also have to do with your everyday relationships. And so when you think of marriage, you think of a man and a woman and riding off into the sunset, and God's going, no, 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 no. We need to back up even further, because marriage is something God designed something that he ordained, and it's something that he knows what he's doing, and it goes a lot further than our relationships. 
And so even as we're talking about cracks, maybe you're thinking in your situation, <clears throat> you know, maybe there's uh, relational cracks, maybe there's financial cracks, maybe there's other kind of cracks, but we're not going to talk about how to fix the cracks. We're going to talk about fixing the foundation. With the house on that TV show, he said the only way we're going to help the cracks in your wall is if we fix the foundation. So we're going to talk about the foundation of marriage today and God's design and God's purpose for marriage. Say God's purpose. I was going to preach on Ephesians chapter 5, but then I realized that the verse that says, you know, Wives submit to your husbands was Pastor Matt's favorite verse. So I'm going to leave that for him to handle that part, okay? So love you, Pastor Matt. I don't know. We may not even go there. <laughs> We're just, <laughs> I'm just trying to be funny. Um, I, that is probably not his favorite verse. So don't go uh, pointing fingers at him. But I want to talk about the groundwork for the rest of our series moving forward. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this. And, you know, it's, we live in a post-Christian era. That means um, the things that were important before, the things that, that our society thought as important uh, from a Christian worldview, they no longer see it that way. And so you can go in and get advice from a lot of places and a lot of people, and they'll start to steer you in a direction that, you, that we never thought we'd be even dealing with. And so it's that much more important that we go back to God's word and see what he says about what we call marriage. Because once we start to tinker and once we start to change, God goes, I have a problem with that. Okay, so are you ready? Turn to somebody and say, buckle your seatbelt. All right. Some of y'all were half-hearted when you did that. So, but I'm trusting that... Uh, that has nothing to do with your motivation. I believe God has a word for you today. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. What better way to look into marriage than to look at the very first wedding that took place? It says this in verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on earth. How many hate creepy things? So do I. I don't know if this verse is supposed to motivate us or I don't like creepy things, but we're supposed to rule over them. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. Bow your heads with me just for a moment. Father, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you that you've given us uh, a foundation to, to, to really pull from and to learn from. And so, Father, as always, we ask you, Holy Spirit, as we look at um, the very first marriage, the very first household, the very first family in the Bible, Father, that you would really just unpack and reveal and open up uh, these principles that you want to show us today, and may it change our lives. 
we pray in Jesus' name. And God's church says, amen. Amen. That's my man. Come on, Nolan, my man. How many know that whatever God does, whatever he creates, he intends for it to point back to his kingdom? Period. The reason why you and I exist is for that reason. God is not egotistical. He just knows that if this is going to work by design, then we honor him and we worship him. You wouldn't put water in your gas tank in your car because it's not designed to work that way. And we are just designed to worship. And when we don't worship, we worship other things and we get into trouble, don't we? So the primary purpose of marriage, and I'm going to say this right out of the gates to get your attention, whether you're married or not, the primary purpose of marriage is not for your happiness. It's not for your fulfillment. Now, those things are good, but those are byproducts. Those things are good, but those are not the purpose of marriage. And so imagine having a whole world of people who don't know and understand God's design and they enter into marriage with these two things in the front. It's about my happiness, it's about being fulfilled. It's about, you know, it's about me. And they enter into marriage and what happens is when they enter putting the promise or the blessing before the purpose they start to run into problems when they realize they're not happy and now they don't want to be married. So you can't lead into marriage looking for the blessing. You lead into marriage knowing God's purpose. Again, don't get me wrong, they're very important, but they're not the primary reason. Now I'm going to give you three. Three reasons, according to our text, why God created the institution of marriage, and the first one is reflection. Say reflection. Marriage is designed to mirror God, and marriage is designed to mirror God's kingdom. Verse 27 says, I'll repeat it, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created, the male and female he created them. So this morning when you woke up, you looked in the mirror. I hope you looked in the mirror. We might be suspicious, but I'm pretty sure most of us looked in the mirror uh, and you saw a reflection. And you saw a reflection of who? Yourself. We see a reflection of ourselves. It was your image. You saw yourself. You were looking at an image of moi, you. Married couples, when God sees your marriage, he expects to see his image in your marriage. Think about that. Single people. Let's remove marriage for a minute. And let's talk about your friendships. And let's talk about your business partnerships. And let's talk about, you know, one day or maybe now your romantic relationships. When God looks at the relationship, he expects to see himself. You see where we're going with this? 
So even though we're saying marriage, it, it goes a step before, before marriage. This is for everybody. So naturally, we should ask the question, if God expects to see himself, what is he like? What does he expect to see? Think of this. When we think of the Godhead, God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, correct? Three very distinct people with very distinct roles, and they all make up something like a family. It's called the Godhead, what we also know as the Trinity. The Bible says three distinct and co-equal people bound together. And so the father is a distinct person. The son is a very distinct person. The Holy Spirit is a distinct person, yet the three distinct people make up one family. The three people in the Godhead all have different roles and at different times. And so God the Father, at a certain point in time, sent Jesus the Son. And he was on earth for a while. And then Jesus the Son said, I have to go, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. One came out of the other. And when God created mankind, he also created them progressively. He didn't create Adam and Eve at the same time. If you know the story. He created Adam, and he told Adam what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to tend the garden, right? And then it came a point where he puts him to sleep, and he says, it's not good for him to be alone. And so God puts him to sleep, pulls a rib, and creates woman. So the woman came out of the man. Now, even as I'm joking about the verse that is Matt's favorite, <laughs> once you start talking about position, and you start talking about roles, and you start to say the bad word that starts with an S, submit. People start to have problems. But it has nothing to do with hierarchy. It has nothing to do with, with position. It has more to do with God's design. We're going to run into this later as we continue to talk. So God creates mankind. He creates them um, progressively. One comes from the other, right? And so he creates this human family. He goes from Adam to Eve, and then Eve is now having the ability to have children, and now she produces children, and so now we have this family. And that family was supposed to mirror God. You see the connection now. He creates this human family to resemble the image of the Godhead. And God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all united in purpose. If you're ever in a relationship or a partnership and you do not have the same purpose, good luck. Good luck. You'll find problems. You'll find strife. You'll find, how many have ever experienced something like that? Maybe not even in a, in a, in a, in a loving relationship. Maybe in a work relationship. Maybe there was two directions or two visions, and you start to feel some of that. You know what I'm saying? Now imagine having to 
intermarriage with, with that. And that's why God is very clear when it comes to things like this. He says, do not be unequally yoked. You know, I get tickled. You guys, please allow me to be a little bit honest. But I get tickled when, you know, we're, you know, we have somebody and they, they're loving God, they're loving on God, and all of a sudden they, they kind of get involved with somebody. You know, and, and, and God says, don't be unequally yoked. And so you start to ask, oh, yeah, hey, how's, how's so-and-so? Great, good, yeah. Oh, and you start to find out their convictions are different. And their beliefs are different. And they say, well, you know, they're not, they're not Christian yet. He, he's not a Christian yet. Yet. But, but I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm leading him and I'm bringing him. If it works, God bless you. But that, I don't think that's God's best or God's design. For you single people, don't settle for some cute Christian guy or some cute Christian girl. Believe God for a good, godly man and woman. So that you don't have to reinvent, that you don't have to try to coerce to believe what you believe and, and, and do what you find important. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm going to leave you alone now because you guys are like looking uncomfortable. Anyway, God the Father, come on. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit united in purpose and our marriages and our families and our relationships should look the same, should be the same. Anything that God sets up is going to be attacked by the enemy. Now think of this. Anything that God puts Weight and priority. This is the first thing that God, after he created everything and he created man, you realize that when he created Adam, there was no sin yet. When Adam and Eve showed up on the scene, there was no sin. And God put so much priority on this institution that we call family. And because God puts so much weight on it, it's no surprise that the family is under attack. And the family, it's one thing to have personal identity crisis. It's another thing for families to not know what they're supposed to look like and not know what they're supposed to believe. And so think of this, going back. Before, uh, before God created man, there was angels. And there was one particular angel in heaven. His name was Lucifer. You might have heard of him. It means sh bright, shiny one. I mean, he was handsome. He was good at music. He can sing. He was the worship leader up in heaven. And I can imagine what, what worship sounds like in heaven. And all of a sudden, things start to get to him. And all of a sudden, there's a, there's a coup attempt. And all of a sudden, he starts to try to rebel and, and overthrow the Godhead, which is dumb already. If you were created and you're going up against a thing that created you, good luck. And so, Lucifer goes against what we call the Trinity. And now we all know that he lost. You realize that, right? And so God hurls him down here to where we are. How convenient. And so he's here. This is kind of his his prison, and now what he did in heaven, 
he continues to do here. And so when Adam and Eve were created, think of this. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. It was paradise. They, they had the, the land and that nothing was, was against them. When suddenly Satan shows up as a snake. I don't have to tell you about the characteristics of a snake. And so the Bible tells us that when Satan showed up, he didn't attack with violence. He didn't attack with fear. He attacked very sly. And his words were very smooth. And so he goes to Eve and he says, what is, what is, what is that? She says, oh, that's a tree. Number one, what are you doing talking? It's a tree. Oh, what kind of tree? Oh, it's the tree of knowledge. Sweet. What does it do? And that tree was kind of like the internet. It was like Google. It was information. And just like the internet, there's good and bad. And there's some things that are helpful, but there's some things that are very harmful. There's some things that God intended. He said, of all the things, imagine having paradise, and God says, one thing, just one, of everything you do, don't. This is it. Just the one thing. And our human nature, what do we do? We go to the one thing. And so it was sly words. And the devil says, did God really mean what he said? Did God really say? And I don't know why when things that we aren't supposed to hear just seem so juicy <laughs> and good and enticing. And a lot of times the devil will use that same tool because it's not just your household family that's under attack. It's not just, you know, what, what we understand as, as a household. It's not just that family that's under attack. But the devil will attack even your spiritual family. Why? Because there is a blessing on unity. And where there is disunity, God will not bless. And so the devil, knowing this, will come in very sly, very sneaky, very nonchalant, and start to whisper things. And the same thing that he's always tried to do, he tries to destroy from within. And so he uses the same weapons. Weapons called hurt, weapons called offense, weapons called unforgiveness, weapons called misunderstanding. All these things, the devil just goes, hey, why did they say that? 
And we go, yeah. One of the names of the devil is Beelzebub. Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies. One thing I appreciate about Las Vegas, there's not a whole lot of flies. And, you know, I mean, I, I love that, you know. But in other places where I've lived, especially that are very tropical, I've lived in Florida, I've lived in Guam, I've lived in a lot of places, but there, flies just seem to, I mean, you cook, you cook barbecue and everybody, all, all the flies think they're invited, you know, and they're there. And so, but have you ever had a cut on your leg or your body? What do the flies do? Where do they go? Right to the wound. It's one of the names of, 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 of Satan, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. And he'll, no matter how big the wound is, big or small, he'll exploit it all day. You give him, a, you give him an opening. There's an egg. There's a, and all of a sudden, especially, I don't even want to talk about it anymore because it's gross. But I'm telling you, he understands family and he understands unity. And if he can break it up, he knows God will not be there. And this is why we have to fight when you hear something. And I don't, again, I don't know why things just sound so good. You can hear somebody talking, you go, huh, huh, what, what was that? You ever had somebody say, well, I just want to tell you because, you know, for, for prayer, for prayer, and they start to download all the juicy stuff. I hope you will learn to start to, to, start to tell people hey, I don't feel good hearing that information. I don't think I should have heard that. Matter of fact, the person you're talking about, have you told them, I have their phone number if you'd like it. We can call right now. The reason why is because this is how serious it is. The Bible tells us that if there's anybody who comes around like that and, and starts to be divisive in their ways. The Bible is very clear because it's so dangerous. The Bible says have nothing to do with them. And the crazy thing is you'll find that spirit even in the church. My introduction has gone very long. Let me go to the next point. <laughs> be vigilant. Be vigilant. Because that spirit, that divisive spirit, that juicy, those morsels, those nuggets that just seemed so enticing, is very demonic. It's evil. It's very evil. That's why the Bible says don't, don't even tolerate it, much less sit and listen to it. Anyway, where was I before all that? Yeah, 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 that's where I was. When God put Adam and Eve together, there was no sin. We said that. The devil shows up on a mission, and he doesn't change anything. For centuries, he's been doing the same thing. He's attacked the Godhead. That's what got him here. And then he attacks spiritual family because this, the church has always been the main vehicle for God's kingdom advancing. And he'll try to rip churches apart from the inside. Any here, anybody here like snakes, by the way? Like, for real, in real life reptiles? 
Cool. That's cool. I like lizards. I don't like snakes. So just like the Trinity, our marriages and our families should be in agreement in purpose, in agreement and mission because God blesses it. Last thought on this, uh, and then we'll, because I know I, I took that far, but each person in the Godhead operates out of submission and respect for each other. And in our relationships, whether it's a marriage or anything else, we should do the same. Okay, I'm done. Point number two. God created marriage for reflection, to mirror God. He also created marriage for replication. Say replication. Going to say it, reproduction. Okay, for marriage, it's obvious. We know what we're talking about, right? But it also goes beyond what we see as physical and natural. Verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Now, when it comes to married couples, again, it's obvious. We know what God is talking about, be fruitful and multiply. It's talking about procreation. Now, I'm not going to say a whole lot about pro procreation. I don't think we need to. But God doesn't want to have children the purpose of having children is not so that we have people that look like us. Right? <laughs> then why do our kids look like us? I don't know. But that's not the primary purpose is what I'm saying. The purpose for this command is that God's image can be carried throughout the generations and throughout history. Remember, God is missional. He's a missional God. From the very beginning, he's been chasing us. From the very beginning, this whole book of the Bible is the greatest love story ever written. It hasn't changed. He's been after you and I ever since we were born. And so he's missional, always on a mission, and God wants to, his kingdom to spread. So married couples, yeah, it's about building family. It's about having children. But not just that. It's about expansion. Say expansion. From God's kingdom perspective, it's about expansion and expanding God's kingdom. In other words, it's also about producing spiritual children. So ask yourself, do I have any spiritual sons and daughters? Have I shared my faith and led somebody to the Lord? Have I? Because this is what this is talking about. So not just natural children. But God's saying be fruitful and multiply. He's talking about spiritual offspring. Who are we sharing our faith with? Who are we taking to lunch? Who are we inviting for coffee? Who are we making time for? And I get it, we're all busy. We're all busy, but this is what God is talking about here. The key to replication is this. There has to be intimacy. And if you're not intimate with God, you won't produce the spiritual fruit that you look for. Say intimacy. We just finished the message last week about bearing fruit. Right? How do we bear fruit? Abide. Yes, that was a test. That was a quiz. <laughs> but it's open book. 
You guys can look on each other's notes. It's abide. We talked about abiding in Jesus, abiding in the vine. It's about proximity. It's about intimacy. And Jesus said, look, I'm telling you, you just plug into me and watch me work. And all of a sudden, you'll be going, oh, where'd this fruit come from? Right? We talked about how a tree doesn't, doesn't labor to produce fruit. It just happens. But it's got to be connected. It's got to be connected. You know, I was blessed to be a part of Eric's men's group, the life group this week. And so I was talking to um, some of the guys. We split up into two groups, and, and we began to talk about the questions that we, we go over after um, each message. And it was interesting. Now, I hope he doesn't mind me dropping his name, Art. Um, but, you know, he began to tell me, he said, you know, I'm noticing some things are different. The way I see things, the way I, the way I perceive things, things that didn't bother me before now bother me. Things that, that did bother me before now don't bother me. And I know there was a situation that, that uh, and I can't really see uh, Art if you're here, but I'm really not trying to find you. Okay, okay there you are. Because <laughs> I'm talking about you. So, And he said, you know, and there was, a, there was one of the questions said, you know, share, you know, an area where, you know, you've bore fruit. And, uh, and he was like, I don't know if this is really fruit. I probably wouldn't count it as that. But these are things that I noticed. And I said, that is absolutely fruit. Things that bother you now that didn't before, that means you're building conviction and character. And then things that would bother you before, all of a sudden, eh, no big deal. No big deal. You know, and then, and then we have this text banter earlier in the week, and I'm just blessed and encouraged. He's telling me something that's significant that happened in his life that most of us, it would knock us off of our rocker. The enemy just loves to snipe, hide and snipe. Little things. You know, what bothers you? Think in your mind what the things that bother you, that's what the devil will use. Oh, bing! Just make you mad. For no reason. You ever get up mad and you're just mad? Rolling. Wah! That's the devil going. <laughs> you hang out with God and you bear fruit. No matter how new to Christianity you are, you hang out in the vine and you bear fruit. Our only job is to abide. Intimacy. The only way you bear fruit is intimacy, closeness, proximity with, with God. Another word for, um, let me jump, 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 jump. Uh, let's go to point number three. Say rulership. Marriage and family is designed to empower us to act on God's behalf. If we look like God... We have his reflection. If we um, are uh, acting on his behalf and, we're, and, our, and our, our marriages are looking like him, then he is trusting us to be him here on this earth. What is in heaven should be a mirror image only, only here with our families and with our, with our spouses and for you who aren't married, your relationships. Verse 28 says this. And God blessed them. 
And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. We are called to represent and act on God's behalf here on this side of heaven. Another word for rule is dominion. How many like that word dominion? That sounds strong, doesn't it? Dominion. It's like Mufasa. God created the family to be the foundation for his rulership in society. Again, this is why families are so under attack right now. It's said that the family is often considered the most important institution because it is the first institution, institution where young children are accultured. It's through family that everyone learns their values. It's through family where people get a sense of belonging. And so God values family, and that's why he values your, your natural family, but he also values spiritual family. If you are not in a spiritual family, I'm, I'm imploring you, please find one. If it's not us, we love you still. Find your family plug in, find your sense of belonging, fit, because this is where God starts to allow you to rule over this earth. We've seen the, the fallout of broken families. I came from a very broken family, got attached to another family, and it was also very broken. But we've seen the fallout of broken families. We see the, the social crisis that it creates, we see the, you know, all throughout the nation, all throughout the world, really, in our communities, we see the brokenness and the effects of not having a, a family to belong to. The breakdown of the family affects us every single day. It affects our, our economics. It affects our prison system. It affects, a broken family affects everything. And God is honing in on our families God created man and woman because God says, I want them to rule. And he says, if you do it my way, you will, you will rule. We're heaven's representatives here on earth. That's who God called us to be. Let me just go ahead and sum it up here. If we become men and women, husbands and wives, who understand and prioritize God's business, and prioritize God's purpose, and we start marriage with that, I promise you, you'll go further. And I promise you, you'll find your happiness and you'll find your fulfillment because God blesses unity. God blesses agreement. God blesses when in the relationship you prioritize the same things. But if you start with happiness and you start with other things, you'll be fixing cracks forever. And I don't know about you. I don't want to spend the rest of my life fixing cracks. I'd rather have a foundation that is laid right, that works right, and God blesses. Amen? Amen. You know, one of the beautiful things about communion is that it's a symbol of the unity that we have with God and to God. 
as a part of his family. You know, we're not related by blood, but we're united by the blood of Christ. And unity is the heart here. You know, I wanted to add something. When we pick a series, uh, it always has an outcome, a desired objective. Last month, we in every nation wanted to teach people to abide in the Word of God and to understand and read and obey the Word of God. That was the outcome. The outcome of this series, first two things that it's not supposed to be outcome. First, the outcome is not condemnation. We all know John 3.16. John 3.17 says, The Son of Man did not come to condemn the world. Condemnation is when you feel like you aren't good enough. That is not the outcome of this series. The other outcome that it's not the desired outcome is complacency. With a topic like marriage, if you're married, then you might say, oh, well, I'm good. I don't have to listen. Yes, you do. Or if you're single, you might think, well, this doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. So the outcomes are not condemnation or complacency. The outcome that we desire is clarity and a desire to come, an invitation to come and hear what God has and experience his absolute best. So that's the goal of this series, um, and we want to make that clear. We're not about condemnation here, in case that wasn't clear enough already, um, but we're about coming to God together and knowing all that he has for us.